Hello, I'm Izzy Wells, and you're listening to Taiwan Uncovered, where we look at the creative scene in Taiwan. Last week on Taiwan Uncovered, I spoke with Taiwanese director Leo Chang. We discussed Leo's Oscar-nominated short documentary, Island in Between, which focuses on Taiwan's outlying Jinmen Islands and offers a nuanced view of identity and belonging amid cross-strait tensions. In the last episode, we discussed Leo's approach to the documentary, how those in Jinmen and the rest of Taiwan feel about the possibility of war and the limitations of using English to define a Taiwanese identity. In this episode, we discuss how notions of identity vary from generation, how Leo's transnational background has impacted the way he feels about cross-strait tensions, and why he thinks this documentary has garnered international attention. Now, your family have been in Taiwan for generations. They're what we would call Ren which refers to Han Chinese people and their descendants who had been in Taiwan before 1945. And then Han Chinese who migrated from mainland China to Taiwan after 1945 are known as Wai Sheng Ren. So 1945 was the end of Japanese colonization in Taiwan and the year that the second phase of the Chinese Civil War started between the KMT and CCP, which the KMT will go on to lose. Now, the Wai Sheng Ren, having fled from mainland China to Taiwan, typically had stronger ties to the mainland and a Chinese identity, eventually hoping to return to mainland China. So I was interested in how your parents or family members of that generation, who are technically Ben Sheng feel about the concepts of Chinese and Taiwanese identities. Is it more complex for them than having two binary categories? I feel like for that generation, so so this is maybe unnecessarily complicated. So uh, that's my stepmother, actually. Mm-hmm. My stepmother is Wai Sheng Ren. Oh, okay. um, and uh, my, my father is Ben Sheng Ren, and my birth mother was Ben, ben Sheng Ren. I think for that generation, it was very distinct because they mm-hmm. actually experienced, like my father was born in uh, 1939. Yeah, that's 1939. <laughs> um, so he actually lived through the, the transition you know, from the Japanese era to the KMT era. And then um, my stepmother's father came over, you know, so um, so her experience is totally different. Mm-hmm. I feel like in that generation, those things are more pronounced. And then in my generation, I mean, remember at school, you know, I knew who the Weishan and kids were and who the Benshan and kids were, but I didn't feel like there was necessarily a, a divide of like, oh, I only hang out with the Benshan mm-hmm. and kids. I honestly, I feel like some of that divide is sort of exaggerated, especially now and in this day and age where, I mean, who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, and I'm not trying to dismiss the, the, the people holding on to their heritage and, and having stronger connection. But I think that especially for the, the younger generation, you know, everybody grew up here. This is the place. We all have different backgrounds and yeah. that's just another element to yeah. it. And and. Maybe it is because this constant discussion about the conflict that that issue still keeps coming up. But I I would think, and at least in my, again, sort of anecdotal interactions with people who are in their like 30s and below, that it just is not really mm. an issue anymore. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting history and, right. and, and, right. and things. Right. And an important piece of history. Yeah. And that should be 
you know, discuss and honor that way, but I don't think it really applies. Yeah. And then there's a line in your film, many in Jinmen think China will never attack Taiwan and the US should stop interfering. We'll be reunified peacefully, they said, because after all, we're all one big family. Now, I was interested what you made of this point. You're Taiwanese, but you've also had all this time in the US. You maybe have a different point of view from people who have been here in Taiwan their whole lives. Um, and also to people maybe like in the UK or the US without a Taiwanese background. I mean, the, the truth is for a long time, the people outside of East Asia, you know, their understanding of Taiwan is purely in the context of China. Mm. Or they only talk about Taiwan in relationship to China. So the, the fact that the American attitude towards Taiwan, and again, I'm generalizing, obviously there are much more, many more nuances there, but the overall you know, uh, attitude towards Taiwan and this sort of fear of like, Taiwan's going to be taken over by China and it's going to be World War Three. that's very much an American understanding of its relationship with China mm. and transpose onto Taiwan, even though the U.S. and Taiwan have had really long, twisted, um, you know, complicated relationship for a long time. I would say most Taiwanese people growing up, especially during my generation, we knew exactly what's happening to the U.S. at any given moment. Most Americans of our counterpart knew absolutely nothing about Taiwan. It's a really screwed up power relationship, if you will. Um, so I can totally understand. I mean, obviously, like in Taiwan, there's this mixed feelings of people thinking, well, the U.S. will come help us. Their, their support is the reason why we lasted as long. But then there's actually now growing attitude and in Jinmen particularly, I imagine, is like it's because of the American interference. It's because the America's uh, competitive stance with China. That's actually jeopardizing the safety and the peace of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a potentially a very valid point of view i'm not saying sort of one way or another one thing will happen or versus the other but i think that that's a fair criticism that should be looked at yeah i i agree and i think as well you, you touched on it about how um i guess it's a, it's a double-edged sword and it's something that we've talked actually on this show before with with other guests about how you know one hand taiwan is getting is getting known by an international audience but it is in the context of China, and it would be great if it wasn't just about China, China, China. Well, but but I do have to say that um, in the last four or five years, and in some ways <laughs> it's thanks to the Chinese government, because what's happened is that all the journalists that were covering China, right, in, you, including yourself, who was in <laughs> Beijing before, a lot of them are now here. And, mm. and when they're here, there's actually way more coverage, way more articles about Taiwan that feels authentic because they're actually here spending time and seeing the people instead of re reporting you know mm -hmm. remotely mm. right so so because of that increasing and more nuanced coverage of taiwan there's actually more of an understanding of taiwan yes still in relationship to china but the understanding of taiwan is more nuanced than before i'm not sure it's quite enough yet and i would like to think that my film is an attempt to balance that out more to really kind of give a much more Taiwanese perspective of the mm. situation, but it's definitely better than than the way it was before. Yeah. I mean, just seeing all these articles coming out, and it could be things that's covering geopolitical stuff, but it could just be like things about some ceremony and some scenery, food, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
I feel like the more the world know about any place, the more likely they will be sympathetic when something happens、mm. to it. I don't necessarily believe that something will happen, but I don't see the harm. I only see good in having more people know more about Taiwan. Yeah, we're we're moving in the right direction. Yes,、hopefully. yes, I like to think so too. Yeah. Now there was another interesting theme that you brought up in the film, and that was the misconceptions you had about China before you went, which had been fueled by propaganda here in Taiwan. There was that song at school that you had to learn when you did go to China for the first time. You found it was this, you know, exciting world of creatives, filmmakers, and this was back in the two thousands. Um, the first time, yeah, I'm trying to remember because I actually my the first time I went to China was because、mm. I had taken a job in Singapore. I was doing some travel show actually, so、oh, nice. I, it must have been two thousand five or two thousand six that I first、yeah. first went there. I, I, and, honestly, my my my, my <laughs> I have terrible memory, so like my personal timeline is a little fuzzy sometimes. <laughs> But it's around around that time. Yeah. yeah. So I was wanting to know whether you think those misconceptions about the other side, like that you had before you went. Have changed、uh, in a in a positive direction, or whether they've got worse. I, I guess depend depending on who you ask.、Mm. I think for the Taiwanese, obviously, before we were able to travel to China, the only thing we had to go on are were the things that we were taught、mm. as kids, you know. And a lot of it, as it turned out, I mean, and and why wouldn't it be or propaganda, right? I mean, it was people. The government really trying to make sure that that you know we demonize the the government and and unfortunately as a side effect so maybe we not necessarily demonize the people but maybe we paint their lives in a much darker and and more you know dramatically terrible situation than they probably were but I think that once the Taiwanese people were able to go see it for themselves you know for ourselves then we we see what it's like and we form our opinions of the place right、mm-hmm. and also China was changing really quickly too but I don't know I think American like sort of your average general generalize you know American <laughs> perspective of China is still quite skewed I think、um, I think that there is this、uh, Perception of that the people are docile and are sort of stamp copies of each other, and and is feel lives like a, a terribly oppressed existence every single day. The fact is, the Chinese people are some of the most resourceful and、um, most sort of like spunky people there are on earth. Maybe sometimes too much, so <laughs> <laughs> right. And and not to say, I mean, obviously, like there there are very restrictive laws that are、mm. oppressive towards people who try to deviate from the the official position, and that's, if anything, gotten worse in the last few years. But there are also people who are there who actually live what Americans you know, or people in the West would see as a perfectly normal life.、Mm. You know, I, I think. Over and over again, that's what I'm trying to say with my film, and and when I kind of talk about my experiences, just like don't generalize too much,、yeah. even though I'm generalizing as well. <laughs> but but you know, like there are always exceptions, and and actually people are more alike than different. Yeah, I think sometimes things can really be too simplified, and then especially when you have maybe in media as well, it's reported about this kind of you know the other or they're so different from us or whatever, and then it it can lead to incorrect kind of presumptions about about things. And and actually that 
that kind of reporting is actually quite dangerous yeah. because it perpetuates this them and us, mm. you know, enemy and friendlies. You know, it's a very black and white. It's it's problematic. Now, let's talk about the title of your film, Island in Between. So my first take on it is that it's referring to Jimin being between Taiwan and China. But is there any other significance to the title? Well, I, I think I think when it's all said and done, it's about Taiwan being, you know, in between China and the US or me myself being in between all these different entities, the, the spaces that I belong to, but I don't necessarily belong to fully mm. that I moved around in. So, I mean, I think, you know, circle, circles back to what I was saying towards the beginning, where ultimately the film is about identity and a sense of belonging. Mm. I think many of us, maybe most of us, spent most of our lives seeking a place that we can call home. Some people find it, maybe, or some people then realize that there's actually no such a place. It's mm -hmm. the place you call home is a place where you decide that should be home. Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 the title, you know, both heightens the sense of isolation. You know, island often is associated with something that stands alone and not really connected to you know, many things. And the in-between this is very much how I feel myself as an individual, but also I imagine that Jiminer feels and also the Taiwanese people feel often. Mm. So I'm hoping that uh, all those are different ways that, that the Taiwanese people can connect to it or all those are different ways that the international audience can understand what it's like for us in Taiwan. And what were you hoping that the impact would be that this film would have? I, I, you know, it's not this big sort of um, revelation, you know, not not this like sort of overwhelmingly, you know, breaking story or something brand new. I mean, if anything, I think that my story, my family story is actually quite archetypal of Taiwanese families and Taiwanese stories, right? I, I imagine a lot of Taiwanese people see this like, well, what's the, big, <laughs> what's the big deal? Like, I know this story, you know, but I think all I wanted was to give a glimpse like it, it's hopefully a different glimpse than what people have seen before. Um, but hopefully it's a glimpse of Taiwan, of Jinmen that will arouse curiosity and also offer some kind of resonance, you know, like for people to say, hey, even though I don't know that place, I don't know those people, I, I understand the feeling. You know, it's about approaching this you know really complicated geopolitical situation from the heart you know, from an emotional level, mm. you know, hopefully as a compliment to, you know, like there's a lot of really great reporting out there, journalism that offers a lot of facts and analysis, but I want the feeling to come through and I want the audience to feel this as if, you know, in an empathetic way, mm. right? Not just like a sympathetic way or in an observatory, observational way, but a empathetic way, like well, relates, you know? And that's why I think it was, it was great that you did have that narration because it's kind of hearing more about people's personal experiences than, you know, having maybe a reporter report about it quite maybe more objectively as such. Like, I think it's good to have the, you know, hear about those personal stories. If you, if you look at the narration that I wrote, I don't think I wrote anything that's not how I feel or mm. what I experience. And I think that that's important. 
you know, I'm not again, like I'm not trying to speak on behalf of and it's just a little glimpse. And it's a very in many ways, a, a, a very simple film. But what I'm proud of is that I think I was able to, you know, we were able to find a very simple way to to express something that's actually quite complex and quite layered. Um, but we did it in a way that feels um, natural and, and, and easy to understand and easy to connect to. And Island in Between has been nominated for an Oscar in the category of Best Documentary Short. Why do you think your film was appealing to an international audience? <laughs> it's still weird to hear you say that. <laughs> you know, it's been nominated Oscar for nominated. an Oscar. It's like, oh, okay, I guess it has. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, think, I think it is that. I think it is that we were able to offer, like, really... We were getting feedback from, like, for instance, I got a... Um, message from like on, on I think on that YouTube page from uh, Korean some Korean people who says oh we totally understand this because mm-hmm. it's it echoes you know like what we went through the emotion the the feeling and the, this sort of feeling of limbo and then you know this sort of like even though it's two sides there's clearly connection like we we get that um, I've gotten a message from like a Cuban saying like yeah I mean we get it. Yeah. Right. Right. So it, it 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 that's that's been really special to to um, have those responses, and it's, then also you know I mean I know that there's a constant comparison between <laughs> right now between Taiwan and Ukraine, right? Mm. Which you know it's a one that I rather not have, um, but maybe it's not bad to have because then then people again can relate better. You know, mm. I, I think my job as a storyteller, as a documentary filmmaker. To who aims for sort of a story outside of one uh, audience outside of one that is already familiar with the situation. It's all about drawing parallels and drawing familiar con- connections. You know, to mm-hmm. offer these these things that people can say, "Yeah, that's not me. That's not my life." But I totally get it. Yeah, because I think when when you are here, you, you do maybe you know, and you're speaking to people, you understand it a bit more. But from those people from different countries, I think it, it kind of puts it a bit more in context, right? And you're like, oh wait, you know, I, I do get this. Yeah. And will you be telling more of Taiwan stories moving forward? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, my next project is actually even more personal, sort of almost autobiographical. I get, it is autobiographical, but I haven't, you know, it's quite early on. I haven't figured out exactly how it will play out yet. But it has to do with again my experience you know immigration grading to the u.s and and my experience as, as somebody who has two passports and you know mm. existing in this transnational space and coming back you know as, as an adult um and then i'm looking for other taiwanese stories to tell i feel like the international audience now are curious about taiwanese stories mm. and and hopefully this is just the first step for people to kind of be more open to wanting to hear more Wonderful. I'm, I'm very excited to look out for more of your projects. And if those listening want to find out more about you or your work, where should they look? Uh, my social handle uh, is S Leo Chang, S L E O C H I A N G. I'm on uh, all the platforms. Um, and definitely you can search for Island in Between on YouTube. It's free for view, thanks to New York Times. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll find me, you'll find my work, and uh, you can find my old films to watch. Um, hopefully you continue to uh, to be my audience. And I'll, I'll put that all in our description box so people can look at all that stuff easily. Leo, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Izzy. 
You're listening to Taiwan Uncovered. I'm your host, Izzy Wells. That was the final part of our interview with Taiwanese director, Leo Chang. Make sure you check the documentary out on YouTube if you haven't already, and we'll be wishing him luck for this year's 96th Academy Awards in March. That's it from me, and I will see you all next week. Bye.